0: Publicity is justly commended as a remedy for social and industrial diseases. Sunlight is said to be the best of disinfectants, electric light the most efficient policeman, and publicity has already played an important part in the struggle against the money trust. Those are the words of the late, great Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis from a book he wrote called Other People's Money. It was serialized in Harper's Weekly over a century ago, then published in a book, and it's as timely now as it was then. He was talking about the role that transparency played in cracking open the tiny money trust of big bankers who controlled the U.S. economy and extracted profits from it while dumping their risk on the rest of us transparency, the sunlight, and the willingness to use it, the publicity, are critical weapons in the fight to end climate change as well. But the global supply chains that provide our palm oil, our soybeans, our timber, and our beef, the big four commodities responsible for the bulk of the world's deforestation, these are anything but transparent. In fact, they're complex and opaque, which is one reason illegal deforestation is killing forests around the world. Man
1: may be unwittingly changing the world's climate through the waste products of his civilization.
2: There's a group of us now who are proposing that the Earth has actually entered a new epoch, and that is the Anthropocene. Anthropocene. We know that the enemy is carbon, and we know its ugly face. We should put a big, fat price on it, and of course, add to that, drop the subsidies.
0: Earth. We broke it. We own it. And nothing is as it was, not the trees, not the seas, not the forests, farms, or fields, and not the global economy that depends on all of these. But we can restore it, make it better, greener, more resilient, more sustainable. But how? Technology? Geoengineering? Are we doomed to live on a bionic planet, or is nature itself the answer? That's the question we address in every episode of Bionic Planet, a podcast of the Anthropocene, the new epoch defined by man's impact on Earth. And today we look at Brazil's soybean sector. And I mean, look at it, quite visually, by exploring a new tool called Trace, with an S, not a C, that promises to bring radical transparency to global supply chains. On this site, it's trace. It's www.trase.earth, right? That's right. That's Toby Gardner, a research fellow from the Stockholm Environment Institute. I saw him present this amazing new tool called trace at year end climate talks in Marrakesh, Morocco. It's incredible because it shows you something we've always known was there but could never see namely, 320,000 supply threads going from individual municipalities in Brazil through local brokers to importers in countries around the world. With it, you can see which companies are buying soybeans from municipalities where farmers are chopping forests to grow them, and companies can see too. It's a tool that good companies can use to reduce their impact on forests, and that watchdogs can use to keep bad companies honest. It's a joint initiative of the Global Canopy Program, the Stockholm Environment Institute, and the European Forest Institute. And to create this thing, a team of researchers spent months going over customs declarations and bills of lading, and then they worked with a web developer to create a visually simple portal for summing it all up. I wasn't able to make a quality recording of the launch event, but I did write up an article on Ecosystem Marketplace, which you can find at EcosystemMarketplace.com forward slash articles forward slash Trace. That's again with an S. I also caught up to Toby a few days later, and he walked me through the portal, which is at Trace.Earth one-on-one. If you find today's show intriguing, I encourage you to read my piece and visit Trace directly. I'll repeat both web addresses at the end of the show. After Toby, we'll speak with Kevin Rabinowitz of Mars, Inc. to see how his company plans to use Trace. Finally, we'll peek under the hood by speaking with two of the guys who put this whole thing together. For now, assuming you're not driving or operating heavy machinery, consider closing your eyes and trying to imagine what Toby is describing. And if you visit the site directly, it won't hurt to have this podcast playing as you navigate.
1: You can get to the site a number of different ways, but the most, uh, the easiest, the quickest way is just straight in here, explore the tool. Um, but if we want to get into the site through stories about the kinds of information, the kinds of insights that the platform can create, then you've got a number of different blog posts here at the bottom Ah, of the landing page. Okay, great.
0: So there's like de-risking commodity supply
1: chains. Yeah, so if we click on de-risking commodity supply chains, then we open up a a little blog here that explains why and how the Trace platform can help companies in particular, in this case, uh, in their ambitions to de-risk their supply chains. So it talks through some of the issues and challenges that they're facing. It talks through the fundamental fact that they need to understand where it is they're sourcing from. Um, and then if you, if you cut through, then you can take it to, to a link at the bottom here, which can give you a straight-through link to the platform itself.
0: Okay, let's do that.
1: So I think the easiest way is if we do this, is if we, we ask the platform here, to so explore the supply chain of Bungie, the largest trader of Brazilian soy. So okay. if we click on there, then it opens up. An instance of the platform that's been pre-configured to tell us about Bunge, and it says here that Bunge trades more soy from Brazil than any other company in the world, and they also have a commitment to remove deforestation from their supply chain. So you can use the platform then to explore where Bunge sources from in Brazil. So here we have Bunge as the main exporter.
0: (coughs) Okay. Now, when you open it up, what you see here, you've got a map of Brazil on the left, and then you've got four pillars, and then between the pillars, you have these kind of giant bands with little strings around them is kind of how I would describe that. And then as you as you as you roll the cursor over it, the little within those big massive bands other the band that you're touching it 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 kind of lights up, right? What's what's happening here?
1: So here, for example, it's it's easier if we uh, if we zoom in a bit and reduce the complexity. So if we ask about the soy that Bunge trades, one of the world's largest soy traders, to Spain
0: so you clicked on Spain on the so far right
1: clicked on Spain on the far right and on the far left I've got the municipalities so there's one municipality here called primavera which in okay. Portuguese is spring and There we can see what we can see now is one supply chain thread wow, that okay. traces its way from primavera in the south uh, west of Brazil via bungy via an importer uh, and into Spain. So if okay. I click on Primavera, then I can start to learn about this actual place here.
0: Okay, let me just because what was really neat there, you when you first when you clicked on Spain, you had one solid band coming from the upper upper part of the That's uh right. the pillar. And then when you clicked on Primavera, then it became just a little tiny thread. and it weaves its way. It goes from from uh, Primavera way at the top of the pillar. Then the middle pillar is Bungie and then in the middle you, it looks, does it come?
1: importer that we don't know the density of at the moment. Okay. And then it ends up in Spain and you can do that for, you can do that for any, any thread you like and what, what, to give you a real impression of the entire complexity of the supply chain on the top right, you can change the view between a summary view that t- shows you the entire trade mm-hmm. and then we've also got this complete view which exposes 320,000 individual unique supply chain pathways Whoa. between all <laughs> 2,000 municipalities in Brazil that produce soy and all of the countries around the world that, that, uh, that, that consume it. So and they, you click on, what did you click on for that? You I clicked on the top here on the change view to complete gotcha, view. Gotcha, okay. Wow. And then you can type in anything you want. So, so where's a search for? So it's a search for here in the in, in the in the top of the screen. And we're here in Morocco at the top. So we can type in Morocco as a country and click on Morocco and the whole platform will reconfigure mm. to just show all of the soy that comes into Morocco.
0: Wow, okay. So what you you now what you have is on the right side you have the pillar that's Morocco. Then in the middle you have a pillar that uh, is unknown customer, that's someone you haven't identified yet, that's a, a trader.
1: That's an importer into Morocco, yeah.
0: And then it starts to get complicated. You have all these different waves and you've got all these different companies in that one pillar. You've got Bungie is one of many. And then on the far left, you've got uh, all the municipalities of Brazil up on top. And then you've got, what's other? Is that- So
1: other, that, that, that represents all of the other municipalities. that that can't be fitted into the screen but you can you can explode them uh, and look at them in more detail Um, but what we've got here is the uh, it just shows you the top ones so these Mm -hmm. are stacked so Jatai is the municipality in Brazil that produces the most uh soy that's exported into morocco okay. and if we were to click on it mm-hmm. then we can look at the single thread for jatai wow and okay. then you can see where it is on the map on the left in brazil and you can find okay. stuff about it
0: okay so this is really neat so when you when you click on that what happens you click on uh jatai and then the the thread that opens up it looks like every all soy from that municipality goes through one company which comigo. is comigo then it comes to an importer, we don't know the identity of that yet, and then it comes into Morocco, but as you clicked on that, it lights up on the map, so we actually see where this municipality is. And
1: we see where it is, but not just that, we can also learn about this place. So in the map, if we click on this little stacked square symbol, that will open Ah. up the different uh, data layers that we have about Brazil. So we can click on data layers, we can look at a map of where the soy is produced, darker areas is more soy, lighter areas less soy. And we can cross that, for example, with a map of where the deforestation is. So then if you've got dark blues are the soy and, and reds, light to dark reds to the deforestation, and then dark brown here is the combination of dark blue and dark red. And we can see, for example, that Jatai um, is down here. It's in a, an area that's quite high deforestation as it happens and also quite high soy production and we can dig in deeper than we can by just looking at the map by going to the the view more option here next to Jatai which will open up what we're calling a fact sheet quite simple at the moment but it tells us about this particular place it tells us how large it is, it's quite small it tells us um, how much agricultural land there is and it tells us about how much deforestation there is related to soy it says that there was a huge area affected by fire Uh, in that municipality and it also tells us about the companies that are trading from from Jatai and it breaks it down and we think we can then click through and find out more about those companies. Wow
0: okay so now so now so what you've what you've shown us here is you've shown us where it comes from you've shown us which companies are active there and you've also shown us how high the deforestation rate is there. That's right. What and what can we do with this with this
1: knowledge? So we can do many things with this knowledge and one of the things that depending on who the user is, if you're a company then you can immediately start to filter the complexity of your supply chain and understand what are the places, where are the places uh, that you're sourcing soy from for example in this case. And if you've made a commitment to clean up your supply chain then you can use that information to identify the areas that are at greater risk of deforestation and those that are not. And of course the solution is not for that company to just move to the areas uh, that have no deforestation because their contribution to solving the problem um, would then would then not be evident but instead to to use the information that the platform can provide to identify those places where they can start to invest and help turn the situation around and make a positive impact and then on the flip side another very different kind of use would be um, a watchdog organization, for example, or a campaigning organization that 's interested in having a much more bird's eye view of the whole uh, sector all of the f- all of the trade in soy, so it can look at across the the entire sector who 's doing well and who 's doing badly, and start to to, to you know, identify those actors who could up their game more and reward those ones that are already doing quite a lot so because we've got this blanket transparency in the Trace platform, really prevents um, uh, actors that are not performing from escaping, which is quite a powerful use for us as well.
0: Mm. Now, on the receiving country end, do we know which companies this ends up with as well? Or is that, is that in the works?
1: So it's in the works. So at the moment we, we stop at the port of import uh, of the supply chain, um, and we don 't we, we don 't have a systematic database of who are the manufacturers and the retailers, but that is in the works, and what we can do. We had an interesting conversation with some major multinationals this morning who are very interested in extending the supply chain uh, deeper into the countries where they work okay and um,
0: <coughs> Now have you had a chance to look at uh, the supply change initiative that Forestrends put together
1: Yeah, so the supply chain initiative is a is a highly complementary piece to this, we see because what we've got is information about flows of materials and embedded impacts related to companies and what supply change does amongst other initiatives is to collate information around around commitments and the nature of those commitments and of course that kind of information about which actors are committing and which not can very easily be coupled with these data and you can then get a picture of okay if we look at only those actors that are committed, where are they connected to? Which places are they dependent upon? And we've started that in a very simple way. If we look here, at the, we've integrated the Forest 500 score, which is a, another complementary initiative to what Forest Change is doing. But here we have zero deforestation commitments due to soy. <coughs> and then we can recolor the entire okay. supply chain and look at those that have a commitment and those that don't. So the kind of information that, that supply Change is coming up with um can, can easily fit into to this picture and provide much deeper insights.
0: Okay, the Force 500 you're looking only at the countries.
1: So this is companies.
0: Companies. Okay. Companies, yeah. So you like how do you know cuz you've got China on the right now? Yeah. Um you just basically identify the companies by their market share or how do you like cuz you've got a green band what you've got like when you click so on So this
1: is so this is this is information that's flowing into China. Oh. This is the, this is based only on okay. uh, the commitments of the traders. Okay. So then if you track those flows you can see how much committed uh, trade is flowing into China.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So it's not uh, the in, It's not like the consumer facing companies, it's no. the trading companies. It's the trading companies, yeah. Supply chain tracks companies that it, it tracks their disclosure. Um, and a lot of companies aren't disclosing. Do you do you see this as a tool that could maybe prompt companies to maybe a company that's doing well but isn't disclosing, and then that would the ones that are left behind could be?
1: We very much hope so. We see this as a as a as a really um, valuable opportunity with this with this tool because precisely because we've got blanket coverage of all of the actors. So it's just as visible when you look at the platform and you and you identify those actors who are committed. Those that are not committed are equally visible. And of course, you can then look at the strength of their commitments. And critically, we can compare, we can use these data to ask about what's the performance of the places that a committed actor um, uh, is connected to. So presumably we may may expect that more committed actors are connected to places that are doing better. Deforestation is going down. But is that necessarily the case? Or is it the case that committed actors are just moving to source their soy, in this case, from places that haven't had deforestation for 20 years? If that is the case, then these commitments will not have any impact on the deforestation problem in the frontier regions. So we can very much expose what's going on and identify... Uh, The actors that are not yet involved, and we think that this kind of information could be um, very, very positive in in encouraging them to come on board and and to play a role.
0: Okay, that's great. I think that gives me what I need. Is there anything you wanted to add? Anything we didn't touch on that you
1: think is important? Just to say that I mean, this is just the start of Mm. of what we're what we're embarking upon. This is, of course, a hugely ambitious proposition, and we think that there's a lot of ground to be covered, and we look forward to to uh, doing some of that ourselves, but we also look forward to working with many partners uh, in other organizations to help unlock these kinds of data. So we see it very much as a a collaborative enterprise.
0: That's Toby Gardner of the Stockholm Environment Institute walking me through the Trace platform. On one of the last days of the Marrakesh Talks, I ran into Kevin Rabinowicz, who is the Sustainability Director at Mara's Inc., which you probably know for its Mars and Milky Way candy bars. But the company also makes Whiskas cat food, Wrigley's chewing gum, and dozens of other products that require tens of thousands of tons of cattle, soy, and palm oil, all of which are packaged in products derived from pulp and paper. These are the big four commodities, responsible for most of the world's deforestation. And they achieved that status because thousands of companies buy them from hundreds of thousands of farmers around the world. Many of those farmers chop forests to make way for plantations. But a relative handful of companies have been acting more like environmental groups than for-profit entities, largely because unsustainable agriculture means unsustainable business. Mars, for example, recently teamed up with Dannon to launch the Livelihoods Funds, which I covered a bit in Episode 7, which is the first in an ongoing series about Kenya's agroforestry revolution. Mars is also one of 56 companies that endorsed the New York Declaration on Forests, which aims, among other things, to, quote, purge deforestation from the production of agricultural commodities, such as palm oil, soy, paper, and beef products, by no later than 2020. Even before endorsing the New York Declaration, Mars established concrete goals for improving the way it gathers raw materials, and it set tight deadlines for achieving them. Now it's reporting solid progress on two of them. The Forest Trends Supply Change Project, that's supply-change.org, shows Mars reporting that it's 91% of the way towards achieving its palm oil goal and 89% of the way towards achieving its packaging goal. It hasn't yet reported progress on cattle or soy, but is set to do so soon. I asked Kevin what a platform like this offers a company like Mars.
2: It it gives us an insight into uh, a level of detail that we didn't have before, right? So, you know, we can talk to our suppliers and they can say, yes, we're sourcing from Brazil. Um, but, you know, where in Brazil? Uh, how do we get to it? And and it, it, it introduces a level of transparency because what they've done is is a very clever scraping of a very large pile of public data and then a very elegant visualization on the top of it that then lets you see what's going on and you know I think it creates uh, an opportunity to have a discussion not just about things going from country to country but from things going from a municipality through a trader to a country Um, and and that then lets us start having much crunchier conversations where you're into the weeds and a bit more granular, a bit more specific. And then, of course, you know, because it's in this geographic system, you can overlay all sorts of other geographic data sets on it. Where's their deforestation? Where's their water stress? Where are their labor issues? Um, and, and that's really a powerful level of transparency. Mm-hmm. And and
0: what value is that transparency to you as a company? What can you do with that?
2: So the, the value to us of that is that we are wanting to actually drive reductions of the impacts of our supply chain. Um, and it's very difficult to drive, or it's certainly very difficult to measure your impact reduction if you don't have a baseline to start with and if you don't have a system for, for measuring going forward. So it, it, it can form the, the basis of a system by which we can track and report. And you know what business is not so good at is working on qualitative things. What business is very good at is chasing quantitative issues. So, you know, give a business a well-designed metric with good numbers against it, set a target. That's the definition of business is deliver the target. So if we can create crunchy, you know, I already use the word, crunchy quantitative targets for business in some of these environmental and social issues, then we can leverage the things that business is good at dashboards and metrics and reports and scorecards to, to get after these issues in a way that we can't when the issues are sort of nebulous and fuzzy and it's, you know, there's issues in the country. And so it, it brings a, a sort of rigor and specificity to us that will let us accelerate our progress.
0: That's actually perfect for what I need. Is there anything you wanted to say? Anything you wanted to add in? Or is that... Uh...
2: I guess maybe the only thing I would add is I I think trace is a is a great example of the the it's sort of the leading one of the leading waves of the the tsunami (laughs) that's coming in in supply chain management and and data availability. You know, we've we've seen other parts of the economy where big data has completely transformed how they work. That's coming to supply chains, right? So ten years from now, everyone will expect to know exactly where everything come came from because it'll be possible and and wrapping our heads around that and the opportunities and implications of that is is something that we're spending a lot of time thinking about
0: kevin rabinovich of mars inc you're listening to bionic planet a podcast of the anthropocene the new epoch defined by man's impact on earth If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or whichever service you use to access us. And give us a good, honest review. Because the better reviews we get, the more ears we get. And the more ears we get, the more understanding we can spread. If enough people listen, we might even get some funding, which would make it possible for me to do this right, with real production values and a team of reporters. If you want to offer feedback, or even better, advertise on Bionic Planet, reach out to me directly at steve at bionic-planet.com. Once again, that's steve at bionic-planet.com. You can also help us financially by clicking on the support button at bionic-planet.com, which for now redirects to the Anthropocene. The address again, bionic-planet.com.
3: My name is Stephen Fick, and uh, I am a research associate at the Stockholm Environment Institute. And
4: my name is Clément Suave, and uh, I also work at the Stockholm Environment Institute where uh, I'm a research fellow.
0: These are two of the guys who did the heavy lifting on trace. I caught up to them right after the launch event and began by asking Clément how they got their hands on all this material.
4: There's different uh, sources for the the data that we've been using and some of them we've really only discovered a few months ago. We started uh, looking at trade data country level and one day we discovered that um, bills of lading exist and we realized it's a great source Mm. um, to try to understand what happens in supply chains. And, but that's not the end of the story, then we we discovered some uh, customs data that could be combined and each of these, these data sets uh, allows us to uh, piece together uh, the reality of the supply chains. Um, in addition to that, we've been trying to add a very granular data that is uh, available for um, supply chain actors themselves, so part of the Uh, The data that we get was actually scraped from the web and it comes from self-declaration of companies. So say, if a company declares that they have a production uh, farm in a given municipality, that's something we can take into account. And I think one of the great strengths of our model is that we can really um, add uh, certainty in a very incremental way. If one day we discover that a given company uh, has a silo in a municipality, or just open a new silo, we know that uh, this is something we can take into account to try to understand what's the origin of the soil that this company is going to trade from now on. And uh, so the, one of the big challenges was that uh, all of those data sets, uh, it's, it's more complex than just putting them together. You have to plug in those very different, uh, just in terms of uh, formatting the data is a lot of work. But then we also need to to make sure that, as Toby said, to stitch together those data sets by making sure that they match so that we can get a picture of the supply chain. But I think what is very interesting, as I said, is that we we can really keep adding new pieces to those data sets to gain more certainty. And if a company tells us that actually what the platform says about us is wrong because we actually take the soy from this farm, that's something we'll be able to add to the platform in the future. It's
0: a, kind of like the you know we have the supply change initiative, yeah. And it's very similar to that in that companies tell them they're wrong. We, they just go ahead and update it, and it's a nice way to put it out there. And if they don't say anything, we just assume it's yeah. right. Um, I I want to get back a little bit more and dive a little bit more into the process though, because you know this piecing together something so complicated. Uh, maybe you could just tell tell the listeners what a. What a bill of lading is, how you got them, like you, like you know, yeah. every every. What what are the pieces of paper or the entries that exist at every step in this, this supply yeah. chain?
4: Sure. So the bills of lading are legal documents that any exporter has to sign. So these documents are produced in the ports of export, and they include a lot of informations about uh, the origin of the products that are being shipped. What is the company that is uh, handling those shipments? So we you have a whole set of supply chain actors that appear uh, by name on those, those documents and these could be the the traders, the carriers, uh, the importers and for each of these actors there can be like any number of additional information such as their address, the phone number, so there's really a lot of details that we are currently filtering out to only get the most important but in the future we can really get into details about this metadata about, about those actors and um, there's a lot of work that is uh, required because these are uh, actual documents on paper. Mm-hmm. So th- of course there's typos, uh, sometimes the company names are not written properly and we, so we, one of the big challenges to deal with that, with the variations in the, the data. Mm-hmm. But at least we know that these, these are always produced for every single sh- legal shipment that leaves Brazil, in the case of soy, will appear in those bills of lading. Mm-hmm. And these bills of lading are available for purchase. Anyone can go to the port and say, okay, I want the bill of lading for that day. You pay hundred US dollars and you, you get it. And that's what trade intelligence companies do. They do send people to the ports. They purchase do- those documents and format them and then sell them to uh, analysts and um, researchers. You know. And
0: then you went to the analysts who had already purchased them and you said, hey, can we look we, to...
4: We purchase the data from those trade intelligence companies. Okay. And uh, so in the discussion, uh, in the Q and A's, someone asked about whether this data is uh, can be used, downloaded, and shared. So that that was one big uncertainty we had in the beginning. We are not sure that the as it it's a new way to use those this data. Basically, no one has really done it before, and we were expecting that the yeah uh, the terms of use for this data would be very restrictive. But it turns out that as we are. Uh, transforming this data in a way that prevents re-engineering the original data, data, mm-hmm. it seems that uh, it's not a problem for them that we make that available to users of the platform.
0: Right, right, right. Because you're not really competing with them. You're not using it in a way that's going right. to. Right. Does a bill of lading travel along with the specific shipment of soybeans? Is that what happens? Or? So
4: it's, it's produced uh, at the port of export. And it goes all the way to the port of import, because the ship, when it's leaving the port, they, ha- they have to know where they're going, basically, so this is already uh, included in the bill of lading. But you can't go further than the port of import, which is another challenge. On the both ends of the, the part of the supply chain that we're displaying on the platform, you have the uh, production side where we could get more details, more definition on the sub-municipal level, but on the other end of the supply chain, there's this whole uncertainty of what happens to those shipments when they arrive in a port of import, and it obviously it would be great to to be able to track them. But currently, we're trying to focus more on the production. Right. But definitely, right. that's something we want to expand right. on. How do you track
0: it from the actual mu- municipality to the port of export then?
4: Well, actually, we're also using customs data that does include the municipalities of taxation for those um, those shipments. So. In we, what, that's what we're doing when we merge those data sets, we're trying to piece together what is the meaning of this municipi- uh, municipality where the tax is recorded. In many cases that's where the soy is produced, the companies that uh, buy it they record that uh, for the tax authority in the same municipality but it can be much more complex than that because in many, in many cases the municipality where the tax is paid is actually not the place where uh, the soy has been grown. So. A big part of our work is to try to understand what what is the certainty that we have on the production. Uh, and this is actually something that is in the background of the platform, but that we haven't really displayed, is that all those threads of the supply chain, we do have a certainty level that is attached to them in our model. And I think it's something that we need to be open about, that some of those uh, threads uh, for some of those threads, we, we have much more certainty than others, right, right, right. and eventually, I think that's something that we need to share with users.
0: I thought it was really interesting when Kevin was saying that um, what we could see happening is that companies that are overperforming, you know, they, they would then come out and then start to you know, say, hey, hey actually, you know, we're much better than that.
4: Yeah, it's, it's an incentive for them to, if they're not happy with what's shown on the platform, it's an incentive for them to give out more data. So that we can uh, screen them out and, and separate them from the other actors, maybe in the same municipality. So that uh, it's it's a very good way to uh, f- yeah to force them to release more data, yeah. basically. Yeah.
0: And what do you think? What is the next step in this? Is it the, is it the receiving end or? Uh,
4: so well, the next step. I think it's important to to start looking at other commodities, and well, maybe before looking at other commodities, try to expand in South America with other countries. Uh, so we do have data on Argentina, Bolivia that we we want to to include as well, and uh, so I think that's that's our priority for now.
0: Okay. One other question I just had is how much work this was. This is one of those moments where I wish I had a camera. They both kind of winced painfully. Yeah. I mean, that just so, I just think this just sounds horrible and tedious, and yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: I'll just say that there were some nights that I didn't get to bed until. Well, until it was almost light out, um, it was it was a lot of work, um, but but it was it was partially there's a mix of challenges that were uh, entertaining in some ways, like a puzzle to be solved, to try to stitch these different data sets together, almost like a Sudoku or crossword puzzle type type of activity, and then others which were more mind bending or mind numbing. Yeah. Uh, such as going through variations in names of companies, exactly. formatting data sets, getting columns in the right order, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that was the part that made my brain hurt. Once you have this stuff, it's like, great, I can see it's like oh. crack playing with this stuff. Yeah. But, but until you get Absolutely. there...
3: Absolutely, around, around 80% of all analyses, I think, end up being preparation of data. Yeah, and then yeah. the fun part is, unfortunately, a little less.
0: Right. That's Stephen Fick, and before him was Clément Cheveux. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, both of the Stockholm Environment Institute, closing out this edition of Bionic Planet. For more details, you can read the story I wrote on Ecosystem Marketplace at EcosystemMarketplace.com forward slash articles forward slash trace, T-R-A-S-E. Once again, EcosystemMarketplace.com forward slash articles forward slash T-R-A-S-E. You should also visit Trace directly at trace.earth. If you have any feedback on today's show, send me an email at steve at bionic-planet.com. If you record a comment and send an MP3, I may play it on the air. Until next time, I'm Steve Zwick, coming to you this week from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Thanks for listening.